Well, a lot's happened this summer, and, uh, and of course, we've had the Olympics. Uh, Fliss and I were away in the States during that. But, you know, funnily enough, when we were coming back on the plane, I, I came across a little movie. Maybe you've, uh, you know, you, you kind of while away the hours, but uh, maybe you've come across this movie before, but uh, it was new to me, but I absolutely loved it. It's called Eddie the Eagle. How many of you have seen that? I've not even heard about it before. Some of you have seen it. A group down here and a few over there. How many of you, if you didn't see the movie, how many of you know who Eddie the Eagle was or is? Oh, a lot of you. Well, just to remind you, in, uh, I think it was in the 90s, should have checked the date, uh, there was this guy who became known as Eddie the Eagle. And he uh, was our Olympic ski jumping guy at the Alberta Olympics, I think it was, was it? Anybody know that? Anyway, whatever. But uh, he was such a character, and the crowd really took to him, and they became known as Eddie the Eagle, and there used to be Eddie the Eagle banners. <laughs> but the thing I didn't realize about him was that from his earliest days, and the film brought this across so beautifully, he wanted to be an Olympian. That was what success, if you like, looked like. This talk's called The Meaning of Success. For him to be an Olympian was success. The fact that he came last or second to last or something was neither here nor there. He wanted to be an Olympian. And it's an absolutely charming film. It's funny, but actually it speaks about and shows up quite nicely the disparities between what some people see as success and what others see as success. I, you know, if you're looking for a good family movie, you know, check that one out. I think you'll enjoy it. But this started me thinking about success. I mean, there are those who are already saying to us and saying to me, wow, what's it like to be this? And, you know, it must be fabulous having this. Truth is, I just feel burdened with responsibility most of the time. Most of the time, I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I done now? You know, and, oh, my gosh, how are we going to get through this? And I kind of, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, bustle myself up and meet with the directors and Mark, our chairman there, sort of nurses me through these, these, uh, this, this sort of vision thing where we're beginning to think, what have we let ourselves into now? But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that God views success very differently to ours. And then no less than four times in the last four weeks, God has brought me to or has had people mention the parable of the talents, as it is called. And, uh, you know, so we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. Let's start, though, with Ephesians 2.10. This will help us to sort of get into this little talk I'm about to do. Ephesians 2.10. I'll read it from the screen. Paul the Apostle, in his letter to the Ephesian church, which was intended to be circulated, says this. He says, we are all God's handiwork. You're not doing this on your own. We are all God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have been prepared by God to do good works. And I have to ask myself, and I want to ask you, how's business? How's it going? It's a good, you know, it's a good question. We need to evaluate and ask ourselves, you know, are we doing that which God has called us to do? Maybe you didn't realize that God has something in mind for you. Well, ask him what it is. Maybe that's the whole point of this talk. Maybe this talk is for you, 
And that's the question that Jesus wants you to take away. Simply this. God has a call for you. God has something for you to do. And are you about it? Are you doing it? If Jesus came back today, would, he, you, would you be found doing what Jesus wants you to do? It's about priorities. It's about perceptions. It's about seeking him for his will. And, and, and I have to say to you, when you're seeking God for his will for your life, don't expect the Archangel Gabriel to suddenly appear in Tesco's before you and say, go on to China, my son. It doesn't, generally doesn't work like that. Elijah found that out on the mountain. God called him up onto the mountain and said, I'm going to speak with you. And there was a huge, great, big sort of hurricane, kind of wind thing, what have you. And he thought, this is it. And it wasn't. I kept asking the Lord when, when he was impressing upon me to teach from this. I kept saying, really? Really? Is that what you want me to teach from? Really? And I'm even more convinced after what's just happened that he does want me to teach from this. Can you hear me okay? Because I can't project my voice. Okay. So this, this passage comes in the context of a number of parables of Jesus where he's talking about his unexpected return. And we as Christians probably don't spend as much time as we should talking about the fact that we believe, based on scripture and what Jesus said, that he's coming again. And it's imminent. When he comes to death again, as it says in the ancient creeds of the Christian church, he will come to judge the living and the dead. It will be a great day for some and a day of despair and confusion for many. He describes it this way. He says, people would be going around about their, 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 their everyday business. People will be, you know, going to the office, taking the kids to school. They'll be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be doing whatever is their calling, their, their work. And all of a sudden, he will come. And one will be taken and one will be left behind. It'll be like a sudden disaster. You know, we're in, back into the hurricane season now. It'll be like a sudden disaster. Now, I, all, I really just want you to carry that thought away with you. Because I think... For Christians, we are very often too preoccupied with our own needs, our own concerns, our own ambitions, uh, our longings for our kids, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, gosh, I've got enough of them. But the truth of the matter is, as followers of Christ, we've been caught up in something far, far, far bigger than ourselves. And there is a God's agenda, and everything's being played out to God's agenda. Even if you don't think you've been caught up in God's purposes, you have. You truly have. And so Jesus here is teaching about his coming again, and he's explaining, he's saying this is what it's going to be like. He also says in this that, that when he comes, his people are going to be judged the hardest. Now, 
by that he really means the children of Israel. And this story is really about Jesus saying to his Jewish hearers of the day, you have everything going for you. Just look at you. He says, you've got the law of God. You know, the other nations are blundering around in the dark, but you have God's law, his holy law. You have the temple, the very place where God has said he will reside on earth and visit and be with and have fellowship with his people. And you also have the Messiah, if you did but know it. Those three things, the law, the temple, and the Messiah. And basically he's saying, what are you doing with it? You're supposed to be a blessing in God's big grand purposes. The children of Israel were always to be a blessing. They weren't just the survivors, a blessed, lucky bunch of people who survived, as it were, the wrath of God. No, it's not just about survival, their survival, your survival, if we update it. It's about being in a, a place where we actually do the will of God and become a blessing to God. Now, of course, you so say that's the original context. But of course, as we read it, it's a good question you know, to ask, how's business? How are we doing? Are we being faithful, obedient? Isn't it interesting, as Louis read there, and thank you again for that, Louis. When the master came back, he said, he said to them, you know, to the good servants, he said, good and faithful servants. You know, what, what is a good person? A good person is actually somebody who loves the Lord Jesus. They're not good in their own right, but the one, they're, they're the ones that have been owned and been received by Jesus, been welcomed by him. Those, Jesus says, I call my friends, are those who do the will of God. But also they're faithful. And they're commended by being good and faithful servants. Are we being faithful? I ask this question again to what God has called us to be. Let's just look at the word a little bit more. First of all, when this master was about to leave... He equipped each person, it says in the scriptures, according to their abilities. Now, you may not think it's very fair that one should have five, one should two, and one one. But we're talking all about what the Bible calls talents here. A talent was 75 pounds of silver. 75 pounds of silver. A talent in those days was about 15 years of a working man's wage a very considerable sum, something of, of great value, not just a little coin. So the one who got five got a, a fortune. The one who got one got a fortune. But the reason that they got what they did was that God, the master, equips them and equips us with what we're capable of handling. I remember John Wimber once saying, John Wimber is the founder of this movement and uh, had the privilege of, of knowing him. We were talking about uh, church growth as it happens. Funny we should mention that. But he, he, said, he said, I often get very, very gifted, uh, very well-educated young men and women coming to speak to me and, and they, they're in the ministry already 
And they sort of kind of complain that they haven't got a big church, that they're not seeing the success that they want. And Wimber says, I just smile and say, God will give you what you're capable of bearing. You know, some people, if they were given their, their, if their dreams came true, it would destroy them. If you won the Euro million lottery this weekend, those of you who bought a ticket, and I'm not asking for a show of hands, <laughs> and got that 62 million pounds, it would destroy you. It would destroy you. God gives us that which we can handle. That's the first thing I wanted to say. Secondly, success is measured by faithfulness. Now, I've heard it said in the Christian church by many people, it's not about success, it's about faithfulness. Well, faithfulness and obedience is success. But usually what that means when somebody says it's not about success, it's about faithfulness, is a passive sitting back, a passive, you know, quiet, dutiful, and rather boring approach to the gospel. The truth of the matter is that faithfulness requires effort. Faithfulness requires taking risks. That's what happened here. You know, the, the good servants took a risk. They didn't gamble, but they, to the best of their abilities, used their talents to make a profit for their master. And so we find here that the, the servant who'd, who'd, who was just quietly faithful and buried that talent and hid it away was the one that actually got a rap around, the, well, more than a rap. He was sent away. It was called a wicked servant. You see, faithfulness has been misinterpreted as something that is quiet and solid and dependable. Well, it may be all of those. Those are fine qualities. I'm not knocking them. But faithfulness means exerting oneself. It means stepping outside of one's comfort zone. That's what God is looking for. We're fond of saying in the vineyard that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Risk. <clears throat> so, when we're looking at the, the, the parable of the talents and when we're thinking about what success looks like, it's about obedience, it's about faithfulness, and it's about actually living our lives in a way that stretches us one step beyond comfort in order to see God's agenda come to pass. The servants were called to put themselves out, not for any personal profit, but for his profit. It's one of the reasons, and I hope I can say this and <clears throat> never lose my voice, you know the Lord is disagreeing with me. Oops. But one of the reasons why I'm proud of you guys, and I, I, I hope that's not a sin in itself, because we were very comfortable before we more than doubled the size of this building. We were going along tickety-boo. And there were plenty of people who patted us on the back and said what a great job we were doing. But we have risked everything. And, 
And truthfully, it's been a great challenge to us. You know, there'll be other time to do this, but we have really grown in prayer and we've had to grow in prayer as we fought many battles to make more space so that more people can get to know Jesus. To make more space so that the poor in this city, the disadvantaged, those who have less choice, can be cared for. And I'm proud of that because you've proved up to it. Every one of you that's made some sacrificial gift has made pension changes. You know, I know those of you, you know, given some of your pension money, bless you. Those of you who've given pocket money, bless you, commend you. The final thing I want to say <coughs> is that whether we do great things or little things, the pay is just the same. So the servant that had five talents given to him not only received the well done good and faithful servant and more responsibility but the one who had two uh, talents given to him got the same pay well done good and faithful servant and was given more responsibility. That's the reward. We're given more responsibility. So I want to commend you, but I also want to ask you to go away and ask yourself, how's business? How am I doing? Do I even know what God is calling me to? And if not, just seek him and ask him and then don't wait for some great day when somebody recognizes you or you suddenly are freed up to do the work of the ministry financially. Start now. Start now. Gosh, we need lots of volunteers. Gosh, we need effort and time and money. But I say this. In God's eyes, success is faithfulness, obedience, and a humble heart. Amen. Let's stand. I do apologize for my voice, but obviously there's nothing I can do about it. But I hope there's something for you to take away. I'm not going to invite the team back up again because of the time. But I just want to spend a few moments waiting on God. So just close your eyes. Put your hand out like this. Palms up. It's a kind of gesture. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers and your support. 
I'm a little bit asthmatic, so when the air is very dusty, as it is at the moment, it kicks things off like this. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, I wish I had more energy so that I could um, really affirm and bless your people with energy and a strong and projected voice. But I have what I have. I want to say thank you for this people. I want to say thank you for this faithful, your, their faithfulness. I want to say thank you for the things we have in store, the celebration, the mayor's visit, and grand opening, and all the rest of it. But Lord God, we are a people that, as, as Johnny said, look to more than buildings. We are a people that look to be a people and to grow as a people, a community that is captivated by your kingdom, a people that wants to know you, a people that wants to be faithful, to not make excuses. So Lord, we thank you. And I ask now you just come and speak to each one of us about what we can do. Or just to receive that well done, good and faithful sermon. Come Holy Spirit.